Ever need a kickstart to your plans? I'm going to do that one of these days. I'm going, to, I'm going to get around to that one of these days. That's in the plan. That's in the. I've been thinking of it for the last 15, 20, 25 years, and I'm going to. And sometimes our plans, our, our, or at least God's purpose for us, needs a kickstart. So that's where we find ourselves today. Last week we looked at the call of God on our lives, and and uh, this week I want us to see and, and own, if we can, a sense of purpose. If you will, turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. And we'll be looking at uh, some verses here in Philippians 2. We'll be skipping around several places, Philippians, Romans, Isaiah. But each of us, and we looked at this last week, have a destiny. Each of us has, has a God-designed, God-ordained schematic for our lives. And when we find that, our lives start to bear fruit. We start to live fulfilled lives. Uh, stop, stop wondering, is this it? Is this all there is? Because we start to find and, and find fulfillment in what we find that when we, when we embrace ourselves in God's design for us, that's where we were intended to be all along. And what we've been looking for and searching for, this sense of fulfillment and peace and, and assurance and confidence, is found in finding God's purpose and plan for our life and his, his call on our life. So let's look today first at Philippians chapter 2 as it relates to God's purpose for me, first of all, is a part of his process. Philippians 2 verse, verse 12, join me there. Therefore, dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. This all begins, as I said, with the call of God on our life, understanding he has plans for us, he has destiny for us. And he tells us in this passage to, to work out your salvation. And literally, another translation says, put your salvation to work. Put, put skin on it, put feet on it, give it a voice, give it hands, give it, give it attitudes, give it, give it some effort, some labor. Now, the discovery of God's design for us, his destiny for us, comes as I move, not as I analyze. When I find, when I find myself to say, I don't know that I know it all yet, and we talked about that a little bit last week, I don't know that I have the full picture yet, but when I start to move on what little I know, God starts to follow my movement up with his sense of assurance. The Spirit's indwelling my heart to say, yes, here we go. We're in this plan. When I stop and analyze everything, I, the, the analysis by paralysis starts to set in. The enemy says, you don't know enough yet. You need to stay where, exactly where you are until you get a clearer picture of what's going on. You're going to blow it out there on your own. Wait until you get a, a clear picture. You know what happens? We never get a clear enough picture because God wants us to move on faith, not on what we know, what we can see and predict. So this... This movement, this this analysis on our or analysis on our part is what keeps us in, in, in paralysis. This is a set of set of plans for my house, the house that I built several years ago. As you can see, it's it's pretty ragged. I mean, it's it's I got modifications on here, new new walls that I've moved here and there, and sheetrock mud, and I mean, it's, these are these are used plans. Now, I could have bought these plans and I bought several sets of them. I could have bought these plans and set them on the shelf and, or, better yet, taken them out on Graves Road, laid them out on the ground, poured some water on them, thought, okay, let's let the house. You know what has to happen with a set of plans? You get them dirty. You get your hands dirty. You get your mind dirty. You, get your, you, you start to absorb and, and push yourself into, okay, this, this line on this piece of paper needs to be that wall. And this little block on this piece of paper needs to be that window. And these, these little, little round circles need to be light fixtures here and there. And those need to actually, actually be put into place. Somebody's got to put those into place. 
when we start to, to work out our salvation, to see enough of God's plan to say, okay, here's, we're going to talk about this more next week, or Doc's going to talk about this more next week. As we see our gifting start to come into, come into focus, we start to see our, the, the plan for God's, God's design on our life come into focus, and we start to take those steps, the plans start to get worn and dirty and used, and we go back to them. You know what? I didn't look at those plans one time. I looked at them every day. I went back to them over and over and over again, and his design for us is in this book. And the more we go back to it over and over and over again, the more we'll see and be assured and come away with confidence that you're exactly where I want you to be, or you're a little off course. Let's make a course correction. As we see our, see our, our work being, or our salvation being worked out, literally, literally being given a workout, we start to find, here's, here's what God's designed for me is because I'm, I'm, I'm being blessed by this, I'm bearing fruit in this, I'm being blessed by that, I'm bearing fruit in that. And it may mean for us uh, sometimes a vocational change and a career change to find God's design for us. There's other ways to make money besides what we do. And so when we find God's plan and his design for us, not only does it pay the bills, it feeds us. I've shared with you tons of stories about my dad's, and in the news a couple of weeks ago about my dad's design to, or for his plan for his life to, to be a grocer. Well, I hated the grocery business. You know why I hated the grocery business? Because I had to dust shelves and move cans around and open up boxes and sweep floors. And that wasn't my calling. It was his calling. And he loved all of that stuff. And he, he started to live that des- God's design plan for his life and realized that at, at a fairly early age where he started to see the fruits of that. And, and that fed him. And he told me as a, as a teenage boy at least a half a dozen times, son, don't ever let your feet hit the floor in the morning getting up dreading going what, you, what you're about to go do. Life's too short. You need to find God's plan for you. It's the, the thing that feeds you and blesses you and stirs your soul and you have passion for and move in that direction. And so as best as I know how, I've done that in my life, and I'm going to tell you, there is, there's, there's a price to be paid either way. The plans get dirty and worn and scarred and, and, and sheetrock mud and, 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 and dirt, or they can be pristine, but I'll pay the price over here for not finding God's will and his design and his plan for my life. I've got good-looking plans, but nothing's ever realized. I, I want to go over to Thelma Lou's, and I want to take a nap, and I want to watch some TV. But if I don't get out of the chair on the porch, I'm never going to get there. And so you're, you're in my life oftentimes look like that. But the best laid plans, I, I really believe I, I could have been good at that, or, and we never realize them because we never, there's, there's never enough kickstart to get those going. So two questions today as we close this, this first point of, uh, of this being a part of God's process. And you're going to see this process unfold this month as we looked at Last week, God's call. This week, God's purpose. Next week, God's plan. As you see this process start to unfold and you see more detail fleshed out each, each week, what the question that comes to mind is the question that God asked Moses around the burning bush. What's in your hand, Moses? What do you have in your hand? Moses said, I, I can't talk very well. I don't have any leadership skills. I don't have any influence. These people aren't going to listen to me. What's in your hand, Moses? I don't care about your voice. I don't care about your mind, your skill. What do you have in your hand? A stick. Throw it down. Throws it down, becomes a snake. Pick it up again. <laughs> okay. He picks it up again, becomes a stick again. What do you have in your hand? And that's, that's, that's God's most important question today for you is, what do you have to work with? And is what you have to work with available to me? Is it usable? Are you usable? And is what you have to use, is it available? Or is you, have you got it quarantined off when, when just this section, just your career, or just, just what you enjoy at home, or just in this hobby, or just in this relationship? If my abilities and my passion, my design, my desires are quarantined off and kept from him, what he's saying is open your hands up. 
Open your mind up. Open your abilities up. Open what you have up to me and watch me use it to bring you good and me glory. Secondly, God's service for me is not only a part of his process, but is always my best choice. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verses 28 to 31. God's purpose for me is always my best choice. And we know, verse 28, that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? All things, that in all things, according to his purpose. All things, his purpose is what he's saying here. God will always bless his purpose. My problem and your problem is we expect him to bless our purpose. No one. God, if you could come around this, man, this is really, if you could come around this project I'm, I'm on, this is, if you could come around this, and God said, listen, I'm going to bless my purpose in you. Now, your purpose may get some indirect blessing from time to time out of the, out of the results and the, the time and labor and effort you put into it, but I've promised to bless my purpose in you, not your purpose in you. Now, if those things intersect and you start to want the things that I want for you, you're going to start to see my hand and my blessing. You're going to start to see things start to work together for your good and my glory, but you're going to have to start to want the things I want for you. And when those two wants come together, that's a powerful connection, and God starts to bless and honor, and our, as I said, our life starts to be fulfilling and starts to bear fruit. Now, seeing the power of this biblical promise realized, in essence, to say that our, our lives start to bear fruit, the, 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 the good in us is God-ordained good and, and at the hand of God. So consequently, he starts to bless that. When we start to, to bear fruit, fruit becomes the motivator. For what? For fulfillment. Fruit become, becomes the, mo- the motivator to say, listen, this is where I design, was designed to be all along. How, why did it take me 20, 30, 40 years to get here? I see the fruit, <clears throat> the fruit out of my life, and that starts to bring me the fulfillment that I've been, look, been chasing in marriage. I've been chasing in vocation. I've been chasing in, 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 in this toy or this hobby. I've been chasing fulfillment all my life, and I found it in finding the fruit of God in my life. I've got to put that to the test and put some, put some skin on it for that to happen, though, and that's where you and I start to, start to fall, fritter out sometimes. So when we start, start to follow God's plan, his purpose, his will, his design, good always comes from that. Good, our good, always comes from that. Now, here's the problem that you and I face. We're trying to define good. We, we define good by, most of the time, by the things we want out of life. Uh, happiness, a fulfilling career, a nice home, uh, uh, plenty of money, and all the bills are getting paid, all the kids are healthy, and everything. And we're starting to define good, and God says, wait a minute. The good for you sometimes will take a, 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 a course that you wouldn't have picked on your own. You've got to go around this way and around this way to find the good in that rather than going from here to there. Now, God's design in all that is that a life is touched here and another life is touched here and there. Whereas this connection from here to there that you see, that's all you see, that's all you know. And so you think that's for my good. Well, it is for my good, but God working in me for my good is also for others' good, and it's also for his glory. And so if he can't be glorified in my good, I need to redefine good. If he can't be glorified in what I want, I need to redefine want. Our good is not what he's promised to bless. His plan, his purpose, his design, and for his glory. 
in all things, as he said. So when I'm living out God's purpose, the victory from that purpose always comes as a, as a, as a consequence to it in every circumstance. Because he says here, who can be against us? I mean, if he is for us, what can be against us? How can we fail, in essence, to say? There, there, there's, failure doesn't come into the picture if we, if we are dis- walking in God's design and his plan and his purpose for us. We can. We looked at that last week. We can and will <laughs> never fail, never fall. So everything is for our good. Listen to these words in Hebrews chapter 6, 13 to 17. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Men swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God wanted to make to Abraham and to his, to his descendants the unchanging nature of his purpose clear. What does that say? I'm not, it's not about Abraham. This has never been about Abraham. It's not even about the promise. It's about the promise pointing to God and Abraham pointing to God and the descendants pointing to the promise of God. So in essence to say his, uh, his never changing, unchanging purpose will b- find its way out of the cracks of our life, and will bring our good and his glory as we start to live that purpose out. So it is his nature to, to, to bless his design, not ours. That's what he's saying there. So everything is for my good, all things are for my good, according to, though, his purpose, his design for me, not my own. Now turn to Romans chapter 12. Let's look here at Romans 12, just what, at the God's purpose for me, why it is unique to me. Romans 12, verses 4 to 6 together. Just as each of us has one body and many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. Different gifts, different service, different working together, yet we're all heading in the same direction. If we're looking to someone else, and this is pivotal, if you're looking to someone else to determine God's purpose for you, you'll never find it. If you're looking at God's purpose in them and for them to determine God's purpose for you, God's purpose for you is unique to you. Now, there are some similarities in how we find those things. As we looked at last week, as we search God's call, we find find it in the Word of God. It's confirmed to us from the Spirit of God. So there is some commonality. But God speaks to us all in unique ways and has a unique design for each of us. It's important we find that unique design because yours isn't mine. Mine isn't yours. And so if I try to live out yours thinking... Boy, that's, he's, he's looking pretty good in his design. Let me, let me try and piggyback on that. I've tried to live out yours. I'm never going to find the fulfillment or bear the fruit that you are in yours. I'm only going to find the fulfillment and bear the fruit in his plans for me, not, not your plans or for me. So we'll never see it in someone else. There was, and he writes this in, to the church in Rome because there was jealousy going on there. There was legalism going on there because some gifts were more prominent and were more visible and more, more obvious in the church than others. And so... <clears throat> This backbiting started going on. So Paul writes here to say, listen, God's got design to all of this. Whether your gift is seen or noticed, doesn't matter. Whether your gift is up front or out front, doesn't matter. God's got design that every gift and every piece of the body function together as it's supposed to function. Now, the key is, is it functioning? Or do we have, you know, as, as we come this way on Sunday with varying gifts, is part of us limping in? Mike was limping in this morning on his on a, on a bad knee, he says. And so, but I wonder spiritually, 
what our church looks like from the outside in. If someone comes in, do they, do they see a limp or do they see a, a patch over one eye or do they, see, do they see an elbow or a shoulder bandaged up? Or do they see the body functioning the way it's supposed to function? Differing gifts all headed in a common direction, all headed in a unified direction. But my gift is unique to me. Theirs is theirs, yours is yours. Now, here at Crossfront, we have a tool for discovering that. We have a, 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 what we call a gap class, it's focusing in on our gifts, abilities, and passions, and how those three things biblically work together to give us a blueprint, to give us a model to go by, and a starting point, at least a, a, a point to get out of the gates. And as we put those, that discovery process, and it's unique to each one of us, but as we put that discovery process to the test, we start to determine, yes, this, this is confirmed here, and no, that's not working in that arena. And so we start to find, find a fit for us inside the kingdom and inside the church and, and outside the kingdom, outside the church as well, to the world of God's design, his purpose for us, his gifting, his calling, the things we're passionate about, and how those come together. But Notice here that that's in a unified way. It's not in my, my gift is more prominent, more important than yours because it's more visible than yours. So you just stay over there, stay, in, stay on that side, and keep, you, you know, keep your mouth shut, keep your, your business to yourself. He says, no, these things, it's, it's one Lord and one spirit and one church, one body. He says well, those things are to function together and to see the power that every, every, every piece, every part fitting together has collectively on its own that we couldn't do individually the things we can do collectively together for the kingdom. And so uh, your purpose is always your part of something bigger than you. And so if it's not bigger than you, if you're, you're God's his, his design, his purpose for you, if it's not bigger than you, if it's something you can pull off on your own, I'd say you could take the bank, it's not of God. If you have everything you need to pull it off on your own, you can probably bank on the fact that God didn't design, didn't lay it in your lap at least. If you don't need him to make it work, it's not of him. And so as you, as you find yourself and your fit that is unique to you, move on it, though it's unique to you, and as, as God starts to confirm it in you by the movement, of what, at least on what little you know up front, up front, as he starts to confirm that movement in you, you'll start to see that take it take a clear, it'll come into more focus for you. You'll start to see God's work in designing you with more clarity and more distinction. Finally, God's purpose is a part of a process. His process for me, we said that we began last week, as I said, it is always my best choice uh, among literally hundreds in our world today to be this and become that and look, look this way. It is also thirdly unique to me. But finally, this is, this is the good part. God's purpose for me is sure to end well. Turn to Isaiah chapter 46, one of my favorite passages of Scripture. God's purpose for me is sure to end well. Verses 10 and 11 of Isaiah 46 says this. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. From the east I summon a bird of prey, from a far-off land a man to fulfill my purpose. What I have said, that I will bring about. What I have planned, that I will do. It's a promise of God, an affirmation of God to say, what I've planned, that I'll do. If the purpose is from God's hand and our destiny is in God's hand, then the results of all of that is in God's hand as well. If our purpose is from the hand of God and our destiny is in the hand of God, then the results of it are God's, not ours. That's where the enemy wants to play mind games with us and eat our lunch over this over and over and over again because he'll say to us, listen, you put this out there 
and you hung this, you hung your story out there to this person in conversation at work or whatever. You hung your story out there about what God's been up to in your life and how you've been praying about this. You've seen God come through, and you hung your story out there, and it's just been hanging out there for weeks. God's not in that. And I hear the Spirit saying over and over again, "Wait a minute now. I don't work on your time frame. I don't draw people on your time frame. I don't make I don't make your plan work on your time frame. This is." He's looking at life as a, as a encourage us to do over and over. He's looking at life and our, our, our slice of it through an eternal lens that says this is about that, is about this, is about that. And he's the one who sees bigger than, as I said earlier, if we're not a part of something bigger than us, we're not a part of something of God. He sees the bigger picture and he sees how these pieces and parts and lives and stories and, and families fit together. And so as we, as we start to, to put his work into place in us and we, we think, you know, I can't see this working. I can't see. I mean, I, I've been sharing with this guy for a while, this gal for a while, and nothing there. And we can't see the work of the Spirit that's going on in that heart, the work of the Spirit that God's already fertilized and watered. And, and, and it may not be us that see the harvest, yet here we are finding ourselves frustrated because we're not seeing the end result. And the end result is always in God's hands because if the, if the design is from God, if the, if, the, if the seed to, to move is in the hand of God, then the results are also from the hand of God, in the timing of God. Listen to these, verse, uh, these words from 2 Corinthians 5, 5. Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. His design is confirmed by the deposit of His Spirit in us, guaranteeing to say, you can trust me. Though you can't see the evidence all the time, Though you can't, at every turn and every corner and every conversation, you can't see God all over everything. If I'm walking in God's way for me and walking in his design and his purpose for me, God is up to something, whether I see it or not. And the Spirit is the one who confirms, yeah, I'm in this. Let's just keep walking, keep keep talking, keep telling the story, keep praying. I'm up to something here. My timing, not your timing. And we know this ends for us well because we can read the end of the story. And we can go to the end of the book, Revelation 21 and 22, that says uh, we win. And, and not only do, do we win, salvation is coming. A new heaven and earth is coming. A new Jerusalem is coming. The Lamb is coming. Redemption is coming. The bridegroom is coming. The King is coming. He's coming for us. And so the end of the story tells us we win. How dare we look God in the, in the eye here pre, uh, pre-return and say, that's not good enough for me. That end is not good. I want my end. I want my end to end my way. How dare we look into the face of God and say, I don't like that plan. <laughs> I'm going to walk in my plan because I want my plan to end this way. And he says, listen, you want another end besides Revelation 20 and 22? Have at it. Because your way will end your way. My way ends my way. If you want to end my way, if you want to see the bridegroom, where everything will be made known, and everything, the scripture says, will be made new. Everything will be made new. If you want to end your way, walk your way. If you want this to end God's way, we've got to walk God's way. We've got to seek his design purpose for me. It's a part of the process. It's, a, it's my best choice. It's unique to me. And it always, always, always ends well. Today, maybe not. Next week, maybe not. Maybe not even a decade from now. But it will always end well for us. Why? Because God is true to his word and true to his promise and true to his purpose in you and in me. It will end that way. Well, the 
close, we each have a call. We looked at that last week. But we also each have purpose in our life. And that's, it's important that every believer know that. The Purpose Driven Life is a great book, and I would encourage you to read if you've not. But it, it speaks to that to say God's got design for us. Designed from before we were born, before creation, God saw us ahead of time and designed us. Put together a schematic for us to walk in and seek his ways. And, we, and that is there for us. That, that, that design, that purpose of God, that destiny for us is there for us to discover and know and walk in. But here's a question. What's in your hand? What do you have? He said, I don't have much to offer. He said, that's exactly what I want. So Moses said, I don't have much to offer. God said, but now we're getting somewhere. The more you have to offer, the less interested I am in all of your stuff and all of your talents and all your resources. The less you have to offer, spiritually speaking, the more God says, I'm all over that because I'm going to take that and turn it into this. I'm going to take this small thing and turn it into something bigger than you've ever dreamed before, kingdom-wise, that you, you, you will never see the results of until you stand before me one of these days. What's in your hand? It starts, it starts where we are. As I said, for my dad, it started in a small grocery store. Uh, that was his call. That was his purpose. Uh, and, and, I, I, and I captured that. I didn't capture the grocery business, but what I captured from him was there's design to your life, son. And you need to find it. There's a plan for you. There's a purpose for you that, God, that God's breathed into you, has sown into your DNA. That's what you need to find. That I captured. I didn't capture the grocery business, but I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing today because I captured that from, from my dad. And every dad in this room, regardless whether your kids are grown, whether they're little, whether it's, about, whether it's about grandkids now, there's nothing more important, dads or granddads, than you can impart to someone else to, to make them know there's design to your life. There's purpose for you. God's got destiny for, in mind for you, and, and we need to find that and get, get you to walk in it. Nothing more important you could do than to impart that to, to the generation behind you because I'm going to tell you, as I look at the generation behind where we sit in this room today, most of us, I don't see that. I see, well, let's try this for a while. Let's try that for a while. Let's try this career for a while. Let's try marriage for a while. Let's try this relationship for a while. Let's try the other thing for a while. That's what I see. And as, as, I, as I see that, what it tells me is my generation and, and those with more snow on top than me have dropped the ball and saying, God's got design for your life and you need to find it. I want to help you. But you need to find it. He's got purpose for you. He's got a call on your life. He's got plans for you. He's got a will for you. He's got destiny for you. You've got to find that truth for you. I want to help you. I'm not going to leave you hanging and say, good luck. I want to take you and give you the tools to help you find that for you. But he's got design for you. Nothing could be more important for the generation behind you than for them to see that and hear that from you. Men, men primarily us. Well, where do we stand in relation to that today? Where do we stand in relation to knowing that and knowing that whether we, it doesn't matter how long we've, we've known Christ, whether that's been a, six months or 60 years, are we finding ourselves in the center of his purpose for us day after day after day after day? And we know and we're confident that that's exactly where we're supposed to be. I'm going to tell you, nothing gives you peace like that. Now, success is like this because we live in a broken world where people shoot 50 people and kill 500 and and we think God's not making an impact in our culture and believers just aren't his time. He comes and, yeah, I'm for that too. But until he comes, you and I have a role to play. You and I have a story to tell. And are we finding our, our, ourselves not defined by success, but defined by the sense of peace 
that God gives us in knowing we're exactly in the center of his will and his plan and his purpose for us. That's found there. Let's pray.